Good morning, Conduit. Uh, just want to invite. I know we just. Oh, so good worship, right? I invite you. I want to invite you to close your eyes for a moment. I just want to pray over you. The name of Jesus is no joke. Powerful is not even enough. To describe. I want every person to close their eyes. Have you called on this name? This name, God, Jesus. Have you called on this name to save you? from your sin? Have you called this name to help you in time of need? In time of pain? Called on this name, the name of Jesus. I want to literally invite you to do that. It's more than just saying it. It's more than just singing it. It's more than just living it. It's experiencing its power. Holy Spirit. God, I just pray over this church right now in the name of Jesus. That at the name of You, Jesus, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess your name, Jesus. Your spirit filling and residing in our mortal bodies. In our mortal becoming immortal and having eternal life through <laughs> Jesus. Father God, thank You for sending Your Son, Jesus. God, I just pray over this church this morning, this body of people, we, myself included, broken in our actions and in our worldly thought falling so short. We see a glimpse of how you see us because of the cross and because of your son named Jesus. Father, may we see Jesus for all that he is and the power of the resurrection that you gave your son Jesus. And that same power of resurrection that you gave your son Jesus resides in us through your spirit. 
thank you. I pray this morning as we walk into this series, as we walk into the Word of God, Your Word that has become flesh through the name of Jesus, may we not just read a book, may we not just see a man named Paul and his letter to the church of Thessalonica, but may we see Your very Word come alive through Your name, Jesus. Power and reign on this earth through And we look all around us, God, and I just encourage this over the body this morning that we look around us and sometimes all we see are the things that are not being ruled and reigned by the name of Jesus. May we claim in Your name, Jesus, that at some point, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But me and my heart, I will confess it now. Church, I'm going to invite you just to say His name. Jesus. Jesus. God, we call on You, Jesus, for power this morning. Would You show us what power is? Would You show us what power looks like? Would You show us what power means in this moment, in this city, in this church, in this heart. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Alrighty. Uh, Would you take your Bible out? And would you turn to uh, two places? Thessalonians? First Thessalonians um, and Acts 17. We're going to start in Acts 17. And of all people that forgot their Bible, the preacher forgot his Bible. So, and uh, has the Bible on it. So we're good to go. Um, we are. Uh, just to bring you up to speed, if you're newer to Conduit or you've been gone, kind of bring you up to speed on where we're at and where we're going and the path, um, because uh, there is a strategic path going on as far as our teaching, as far as and, and hopefully you'll see um, in this month as we teach it, um, that you'd see we're on a path in regards to our mission. So, uh, we are in the vintage church, which is just a, a, a way that we have described the early church. The, uh, as soon as Jesus died, rose, and then he ascended into heaven and he set the whole world. Those followers of Jesus, and he set the entire power of on high through the Holy Spirit that was going to come to start the church and to impact the entire world. He said it with these B-team jokers. And um, they used, God used those people just like He uses us to advance the Gospel to Judea, to Samaria, to the uttermost part of the earth. Thus, we know about Jesus. Thus, we are gathered as the church in 2017 called Conduit. Amen? 
And so part of that process of the early church, of the vintage church, is walking through the most exciting book, I would say, in the whole Bible, the book of Acts, written by Luke. And he walks through what the Acts of the Apostles were. You wonder why it's called Acts? It's simply that. It's the Acts. It's like what happened. Kind of like a play. There's different Acts in a play. These were the Acts of the early church, the vintage church. Now there's different... And, and part of uh, where we're at now in Acts is the Apostle, which, again, it sounds really like a spiritual term. <laughs> this guy uh, was a, uh, or is a Jew, and he uh, hunted down these Christians that followed Jesus. And specifically, we learned uh, many chapters ago that he hunted guys that Stephen, and he commanded them to be stoned. This is like a church leader commanding these people to kill this guy because he was proclaiming that Jesus. And so he was, went from killing Christians to uh, meeting Jesus via a supernatural encounter and becoming a follower of Jesus. And not just becoming a low on the totem pole, like kind of like, I, you know, Jesus, I'm just going to kind of squeak on by in life. No, he, God used to actually lead this movement. And in this leadership and in his process, Paul went on a missionary journey to spread the gospel throughout the whole world. Now, on that journey, if you've got an old school Bible or a, uh, a Bible that's not on your phone, can we ever forget my Bible? Um, on the back of your Bible, it has all these maps. Like, why do I have these maps? Like, those are the, those are the pages that, as a kid sitting in the pew, like, I could draw on. I couldn't draw on the real Bible, but I could draw on the maps in the back. Those maps kind of outline how Paul went on his journey. And in the book of Acts, it describes where he the actual cities that he went to, and the actual churches that he established. Paul was a church planter. Um, Paul was many things, but book anything but boring like even today I think today's um, the first 17 chapters of Acts is one of the most like, like this, this could be made into a movie this is crazy um, when you look at our country and you look at the civilized western culture of faith it's like whoa like we have a lot to be thankful for. And there's been times during this series where I've kind of ragged on um, Christianity. But at the same time, today, I think we have amazing, an amazing amount of gratitude to the freedoms that we have. And what we're, how we're able to gather and sing. I parked, unfortunately, my Jeep has to be parked on a hill now in order to start. Um, so as I parked far away and I was coming in and hearing the worship team practice this morning, wow, you could hear. It was just these guys up here. I can't imagine how much louder it would have been with all of you singing, but it was just beautiful to hear. But knowing that we don't have to hide in secret, we have the freedom to worship. And these, this guy, is all he was doing was sharing the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. And he was killed. People were being imprisoned. People were being chased out of cities. And so where we're at this next four weeks is in the church of Thessalonica. 
Paul writes two letters to this church in Thessalonica. Now, Thessalonica is a city. It's actually uh, sort of the most populous city, the, kind of the, the, um, the capital, so to speak, of Macedonia. In the time now, it's, uh, we talked about at Conduit North last night, it's still a city in Greece, Thessaloniki. Um, in that city, you could even go to this day. Um, back then, it was a very important city, not just for um, being the populous center of what was happening, but truly just the size of it. And God was using people to establish these bodies of believers throughout the world. There was one church in Thessalonica. And here in 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, is Paul writing letters to that church. Now, this series is called The City. Now, I know I'm doing a lot of intro, but I, I think it's important for us to see that our focus these next four weeks in the city is that we wouldn't just see Thessalonians living in Thessalonica as thought. That we wouldn't just see it like we want to we wanna truly teach you. Um, we want to learn together as we, we understand this city. That in so many ways, that city is no different than our city. Not, not necessarily in size or, or, or in importance as far as what Jamestown means to the state of New York or to the United States of America, but just the aspect of and the, and the, the, the pointing to the fact that you live in this city, you live in this community. Now this is obviously including all the surrounding cities, but you get what I'm trying to say when I now Jamestown, talking about the region, the city. What we've tried to do um, in this ministry since one, since conversations and vision and plans, tried to be an impact to change the city from the get-go. It wasn't just, like the original plan wasn't just, let's just start a church. That's the end goal. We believe that God's plan A is the church. But the ultimate pointing of conduit has always been the city. That's where our heart is. And so we have all these, these ideas and these events and these like missional initiatives and living on mission and through I am loved, all these things pointing towards the city. And, and there'll be more on that moment, but I, I first want you to understand and establish that we're going in the next four weeks has everything to do with the city. The city of Thessalonica and the city of Jamestown. Now, we just so happen to be in the middle of I Am Loved season uh, in the summer. I Am Loved events are awesome in the summer. I Am Loved events are awesome if they're indoors, right? Things about I Am Loved events. Um, it's like a bustling time to be able to get out and serve. It's food or the different events that we have. And we've hit this, tried to hit it every week, but I just want to kind of, before we get in, just want to invite you and hit uh, the details of what we're doing. Uh, I know uh, Quint mentioned the 
save, your, save the date of our I Am Loved week, but I literally just want to walk through like, what this means for you in the city. What does it mean for you to serve this city? In context of where we're going today, in context of where we're going this month, um, you literally, I mean, you can get out your phone, your app, like Food Truck Fridays, like the Northside Community Dinners at Conduit North, the last Saturday of the month. And as Quint mentioned, the I Am Loved Week service opportunities. These are, these are just some ideas of some practical ways, some real I Am Loved Week, back to school clothing club. I Am Loved Week landscaping project. Anybody do that last year? Heritage, where we planted some wheat stuff in those barrel things. Um, it's an amazing opportunity to just show up, get your hands dirty, and love on some people. Um, a triumphant event. People that have been affected by domestic violence. Just a day where they can come and it's a spa day for them. A day where they can get loved on and pampered and just beyond the services that are provided. Just an opportunity for them to have community and know that they're loved. The Gateway Art Project. The Foster Family Picnic. The Family Fun Fair, both in Dunkirk and in Jamestown. Did you hear me say Dunkirk? Come on. Come on. The STEM Fair. The Laundry Mat Serve. That whole week, there are these opportunities. And on your schedule, because again, I understand the busy summer. And I understand that like everybody lives here, and every sports program, and every fun thing is surrounded on these like few weeks. I get it. I totally get it. But this is an opportunity for us, for you, not that week to volunteer every day or some days or one day. An opportunity to just show up with us, to roll up your sleeves, put your hands together, and love on these people. Now, these opportunities are they the be all? Is it ultimately what God is calling us to? No, but it's a taste, it's a touch on this city. Our prayer and our hope since the beginning has been that you guys are involved, that you are, you, are, you are like in the trenches of this city. No matter what you're doing, no matter where you work, whether home or other places, your work affects this community in great ways. It comes out of your home. It comes out of your work. Ultimately today that we're going to see, it comes out of your heart. And when we gather as a church, that is revealed. What's happening in your home? What's happening at work? What's happening with you in the church? Here is the, here is the point of the, the direction of the series I want you to get. Our view of the city should not focus on the brokenness, but our brokenness that is made whole through Jesus Christ. If I was going to bring up the city, can we just talk about Jamestown for a second? And if I was to grab a microphone and pass it around and you were like, like not your church like facade of like how 
awesome this summer's going to be. Like, if you were honest about the city, chances are, chances are, we'd be caught in viewing the city through brokenness. But I want to invite you, I want to invite us to not focus primarily or at all today on the brokenness, but our brokenness that is made whole through Jesus Christ. When, when God told Paul, when God told Silas, when God led Timothy to the city of Thessalonica, he wasn't saying, hey guys, I want you to go and I want you to survey how broken that city is. I want you to survey how sinful and wretched and dirty and down those people of that city of Thessalonica are. What did he do? He filled them. He made them whole. And they leaned in on something <laughs> that they didn't even know where they were landing. But they Okay. Acts 17, chapter 1. You guys still with me? I may not be a well-known preacher, but I'm a well-known preacher for how long my intros are, okay? All right? I think that was about 20 minutes. Here we go. Acts 17, verse 1. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, Raise your hand if I've lost you already. All right. So they went to these three places, all right? Let's, let's just say that, all right? So they went to these three places. Again, what are they doing? What did we just walk through? They were spreading the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, advancing the gospel. Yes, through voice. Yes, through clearing the way of saying Jesus has come, he's died, he's rose again, he's ascended, he sent us to tell you the good news, past just saying it, past even just living it, but strategically placing, um, setting up church. Is church the answer? No! Jesus is the answer. But God uses the church the local church, to proclaim that answer. You hear that? He uses the church, which is made up of a bunch of homes, which is made up of a bunch of hearts together to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ so that the view is not the brokenness. The view is our brokenness that has been made whole through Jesus Christ. So, Thessalonica, here we go. Where there was a synagogue of Jews. Oh boy. Oh boy. All right, so Paul went in to the synagogue of Jews. Um, to say it was tense would be an understatement. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them. From the scriptures. Now we don't know what this looks like if he kind of just walked in and everybody's like, whoa, there's Paul, Paul, the guy that like has a reputation. Come on up, we want you to speak today. Like, I don't know if it was that or if he just kind of was like privately, um, then publicly, but either way, he was reasoning with them, he was proclaiming to them 
that Jesus had come, the Messiah had come to the Jewish people, to the people of Israel, that they had been waiting for centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries for the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate Messiah to come. And Paul was saying, He came and y'all missed it. In fact, y'all killed Him. And Paul, even in his testimony, you talk about power. He would say, even I killed them. His followers. You talk about power in your story. You talk about power of of Christ in your life. (laughs) Reveal your own brokenness. Because in your own brokenness, the testimony reveals the wholeness is not you getting your crap together. The wholeness is Jesus Christ saving you. The wholeness is not how great your church is, how great the band is, how great the preacher is, how great this group is or that program is. The, the revelation is how great your Jesus is. And that's exactly what it was for Paul. And that's exactly, church, what it is for us. It's sometimes discouraging to not see the fruit that you pray for and lean into. Are you with me? Like when you work so hard, staff, you're in here. When we sit around that table and we work so hard and we sit every Monday morning, usually, goes, usually the emotional pattern of our staff meeting goes like this. Wah, 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 wah. Like that's how it kind of goes. Because what it is is the reality of like, are you serious? Like this is happening and this is happening. And I was running at this and I was working this and it's supposed to work like this and this is going on in their life and this is going on in their life. And like you're sharing your life and your heart and you're pouring into the power of Jesus Christ. And then it's like crickets in your fruit picking. And you're like, what? It's not working. But then there's this reality in community, at that table, in our staff, and in our lives. There's this reality. It's like, whoa! Whoa, 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 whoa! It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Like, the fruit is not about us. We're called to, to, to work. We're called to show up. We're called to be faithful. We're called to proclaim Jesus. And He does the work. And like we get caught up, or I get caught up, maybe it's just me, I don't know. Like sometimes it gets so discouraged, I'm like, this isn't working. Hello, like I'm here, like I showed up, I was faithful to what you asked me to do, I did what you said, I, like, I did my best to like read the word and do what it said, and I got tons of gaps and tons of holes in between, but like, why isn't it working? When ultimately, all I need to do is Believe in faith and trust, not just for my salvation, but lean and trust into the Holy Spirit to do the work that only He can do in people's lives. Because if I'm in my heart complaining about your stubbornness or your slowness, I'm only, God's like, hello, do you see how slow you are? Do you see how stubborn you are? And so that's what makes this church a beautiful thing. Is it's not a race. It's not this moment of like, well, I'm going faster than you. I'm climbing higher than you. I'm a lot shinier than you. It's all a facade that's broken before a holy God. 
That our wholeness comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. And so when we see a brother down, we pick him up. When we see a sister down, we pick her up. And then when we find ourselves down, they pick us up. That's the church. That's the relationship. So if, you ever, if you're in this room and you're hearing my voice, if you ever feel like you're the one on the ground, speak it. Live in community. Let us know, because all we're here to do is help make you whole through Jesus Christ in the power of his name and his spirit. That's what the church of Thessalonica chose to do, and that's what Paul chose to do through them. That their view of the city was not focusing on the brokenness, but truly their brokenness and how they can be made whole through Jesus Christ. So the big question is, how does the city change? How does the city change? When I resided in this area and we went to plant a church in Phoenix, Arizona, and we so graciously were welcomed back to Conduit, that was the question that rose over and over and over in my mind and Pastor Ben's mind. Constant conversation of what he was already had been leaning into for a long time. How does Jamestown going to be changed? And to be honest, as time goes on, sometimes it seems to get a little bit more complicated. Because I, as I talked about a few weeks ago, we lose our frame of reference. Our reference point, excuse me. Our reference point is Jesus and his power and his spirit. And when we get stuck in our strategy, in our work, in our relationships, and how we try to turn knobs and control things, it just gets muddy. And my, I'm confessing before you right now, I'm, I'm there way too often. Um, so Paul comes in. He's explaining. He's teaching. This, verse um, 3, explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to raise from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the once for all sacrifice that it talks about in Hebrews. He's the once and for all sacrifice for our sins. He's tore the veil. He's come to free us. He came. He died. He fully satisfied the wrath of God. He rose from the dead. No one does that except for Lazarus. And he did it because of Jesus, right? So Paul's got some material, right? He's got some stuff to say. And a great many Greeks and not a few of the leading women. I need to point out the fact that this chapter points out twice <laughs> that these women led the charge. They stood up. They did more than their part. They led well. They put their hands in. They had full faith. It's beautiful. Verse 5, this is like, this is like the Bible wrapped up in maybe a few sentences. This would be one of the sentences. But the Jews were jealous. The Jews were jealous. 
And taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob. They set the city on an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. So they basically were staying at Jason's house, a guy named Jason's house. I know you haven't heard of his name before, but there he is. Um, they were staying at his house. They went to this place. They tried to find them, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them. And they have all acted against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king named Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were distributed, were disturbed. Thank you. Sorry. I'm, you're awesome. I love you. I'm a, <laughs> reading in math and science and history, those weren't my strong points. <laughs> Thank you. Disturbed, not distributed. Um, when they heard things, and they had taken money as security or bail from Jason and the rest, and they let them go. The brothers, they immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and they had arrived, and when they went to the Jewish synagogue, so they're, now they're in a different city. They left Thessalonica. They snuck out during the night because things got crazy and hostile, and they sent them out, not because they were scared, but they thought, we'll let that message, we'll let it marinate for a little bit, we'll go to the next city, and we'll see what God does there. They leaned in there, they weren't ready to receive it. They moved on, they communicated again, and the city of Berea, the place of Berea, they did receive it. In fact, the way it describes it, now these Jews, they were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Oh, talk about bragging rights for all of eternity. I'm from Berea, y'all from Thessalonica, y'all missed it. We're way more noble. It says it in, first, or in Acts 17, it's in the Word of God. Write it down, guys. All right, so they had bragging rights to those Thessalonians forever and ever and ever. But they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see those that, the, that these things were so. That what Paul was saying was true, that Jesus was the Messiah, that what he fulfilled, not just the law, but he died in place of that to fulfill the law, and that the law is now just a schoolmaster. Right, Dave? Where are you at? Dave, the, the, that the law is just a schoolmaster. And now it's about grace. And all Sorry to call you out like that. We were just taught, having that conversation. Um, that now grace has given all of us the opportunity, and now law, not that it's not important anymore, but all that law was supposed to do was point us to the fact that, like, this is impossible. This is crazy. And then Jesus comes along, and he fulfills it. He lives a sinless life, but then they killed him as if he claimed all the sin. And he did. He says, Jesus, who had no sin, became sin on our behalf. It says to the church, Paul says to the church, and to Corinth, with that, that's several weeks from now, but stay with me. He says that Jesus was the one who claimed sin, even though he had never sinned. He's like, I'll take it all. All the murders, all the lies, all the lust, all the, the adultery, all the pedophilia, every wicked, nasty thing you could think of that we humans, after the fall, have come up with. Jesus says, I'll take it all, and I'll raise my hand as if I, as if I did it. And I'll be stripped naked in front of the world. And I'll be nailed to a cross and beaten. And my blood will shed and the life will come out of me metaphorically and literally so that it can fall to you and it can fall to the earth. And I will breathe my last breath. And when I say it is finished, it's finished. The sacrifice is paid. That's Paul's message. Berea heard it. Berea believed and of course it mentions Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women. There they are, women again. Those ladies in Berea 
got it going on. They stepped up and they believed. And those men, they stepped up and believed in these Jews that have been taught for centuries and centuries and centuries what they thought Jesus would look like, what they thought the Messiah, excuse me, would look like. That they completely messed, but they humbled themselves of what they always thought they knew. And they were open to the reality of faith in something that they didn't know yet. But when Paul proclaimed the Messiah through Jesus, they believed. And everything changed. The story goes on to talk about the progress of this advancement of the gospel. And this is the Acts of the Apostles. This is the city. Not just Thessalonica, but many cities. That all they did was show up and proclaim and advance the gospel. So, Ben, Pastor Ben, he put into words uh, this morning something that I felt like how do I say this? He put into words something I'd been feeling for a while in my own life and in the lives of, of you, I'm sure, but specifically in this passage the last few days. Like, um, the greatest thing that, that Paul and Silas and Timothy and these church leaders and these, these, these women and, and these, these men and these, these Jews that were establishing the church in Thessalonica and Berea and all these places, they displayed something that changes the game. If, if, if the way Jamestown changes, if the answer to that is Jesus... I know that sounds really Christianese and churchy, but like let's let's zoom in a little bit more. If if the answer is Jesus, it's faith in Him. Now, rewind just one second. What gave Paul and Silas and these leaders the guts to go in city after city and city after city to do this? What what proclaimed or what what propelled them to do this? Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. Do we have that? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. You have every bit of power. Power. To go to every city. Dude, if God is telling me that, and he's like, dude, just wait. Dude, like the Holy Spirit, like, it's even better that me, Jesus, it's better that I leave because you just, wait, right there. Because like, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. He's going to blow your mind. It's going to be crazy. And he does. And he, they fill, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. You want to talk about momentum. You want to talk about moving parts. You want to talk about confidence. They had the Holy Spirit blowing into the cities, blowing into towns, proclaiming the name of Jesus. You want to talk about power? Now, Paul comes in with that same power. You live your life with that same power. You wake up every day, filled with the Holy Spirit, ready to take it on. And then all of a sudden, 
What happened to Paul essentially happens to us. What happened to Paul? He comes into the city. All those religious people, like those Jews and stuff, did they heard they like heard his message? They went out and they got a mob together, a violent mob, to hunt him down and chase him out of the city and arrest the guy that he was staying with. And it only got worse from there and worse from there. The Christian persecution, even to this day, it doesn't get better. But in that message, we have the power. I got the power. Right? Are you with me? The power is not, though. The power is not. All right, listen up. I got the power. I got the plan. This is the way to do it. And then you wonder what kind of response is there or is not there? What kind of fruit is there or is not there? I showed up and served at this event and I talked to that person and they never came to church. I invited them five times. That person I've been working with for 20 years. My own brother, my own sister, my own friend. I invite, I have never come. I've seen no fruit. I've lived faithfully for 20 years. I showed up. I proclaimed. I lived it out. And nothing has happened. I see nothing. That's not the power. The power is not in the fruit. The power is in the faith for him to do the fruit. The power is leaning to him to work. Not what kind of outcome it's at. So Pastor Ben, sorry that was again a long intro to what Pastor Ben had told me this morning. But it was so good and I was like, ah, that's so good. It's the words I've been trying to say. He, he, he wrote, I mean, if you've texted with Ben, it's usually like this. Uh, always good, but like he wrote this, I just want to read you one sentence. He says, so I think that the greatest example of power is the willingness to exceed, or, sorry, I, I'm, reading's hard, okay? <laughs> Let me start over. Oh, now I went sideways. Let me get back, Okay. What's that? <laughs> so I think, so I think that the greatest example of power is the willingness to extend the truth without the promise of return. The greatest display, the greatest example of power is extending the message without <laughs> the pressure of knowing or expecting a return. You, you, in fact, believe for a better return than what your strategy could get you to. You believe for greater things and bigger things in the city being way better 10 years from now than any of our plans could ever be. Because if our plans come up with a 10-year plan, we better really be leaning in what God can really do that's exceeding our 10-year plan. That relationship that you have, that you've been leaning in on for the advancement of the gospel, hopefully your faith in leaning into that 
is way better than any plan that you could write down. Because God is way bigger than anything that we could come up with. His power isn't in our plan. His power is not in our work. His power is not in, like, even our time and faithfulness. His power is in His name. It's in God's Son. And when we lean into that, as he later, Pastor Ben had said, like, then we lean into an audience of one. Not an audience of, who's following me now? Who heard that today? Who commented on my social media sermon? <laughs> Who, you fill in the blank. Who came to church with you today or next week? The power, not that we shouldn't expect that. Expect greater than you're expecting. But the power for Paul was extending himself, leaning into the Holy Spirit to do the work. Listen, in closing, this releases all of us from the pressure to control the outcome. This releases you from changing that person. You can't change that person. Ah, that's so hard. This person, God, needs change. This, Jesus, this person needs Jesus, all right? But you can't do that. Like, you can live according to what he's saying in his word. You can live according to his example. And, but your rule and your reign and your power is not in your work. It is not in your faithfulness. It is in nothing other than the name of Jesus through His Spirit, the Holy Spirit in your life because of the Father that orchestrates all this. It releases you from your work. It releases you from all the like, need to feel power and control. And it releases that power and relinquishes that power to the one that can actually handle power. The reason the Jews missed it is because they were looking for a leader that could rule and reign and be a president or king or whatever the right way. The reason why there's so much tension politically, you talk about our country, you, that, that's the Jewish state, like that whole thing is beyond tense. It's because they're looking for a leader that's going to get it right. They're looking for the thing that's going to fix it all. They're looking for the next moment when it's going to all fix itself. And they looked for it for a military leader, a political leader, and they got Jesus, which is far better and far more powerful than any king of Israel, far more powerful than any military leader could be. And here we stand in 2017. Here we sit in 2017 trying to orchestrate all the things in our life. If I just had this thing, if I just lost that, if that person was just better, if that person was just nicer, if I just had that thing, if I just had that job, if that person would stop being a jerk, if, that per if, if, if I had that, then it would all be good. That's not the case. God's calling you to something better than that. Higher than that. He's actually calling you out in this moment through that power of the Holy Spirit gently saying, lean to me. Trust me, over that person, over that thing, over that circumstance. Paul got chased out of the very place God called him to go proclaim the gospel. He got chased out. He didn't walk away thinking, oh, I guess they're not, I guess they're going to hell and they're, they don't want my plan. No, he didn't. 
What he did is he proclaimed in full faith the word of the Lord and he had enough peace to walk away and let it marinate. Because you circle back and the city of Thessalonica changed the world for eternity. And you're going to see that in the next few weeks. You're going to see how this city was changed by Jesus. Focus in by Jesus and faith in Him. Focus in more by the church in that city. Focus in more by the homes that represented that church. Zoom in a little one more time. The hearts of the homes that made that church up, that were in that city, that affected the world, all by the power of Jesus Christ. The same Jesus, the same power, is here in this very second, present and alive. He knows you. He loves you so much. If you've never called on the name of Jesus for salvation, today's the day. If you haven't called on the name of Jesus today for help and hope and the answer to change your own heart that could flow to your home, in your church, in your city, today's the day. If you need prayer, please come and pray. If you need to